Serena Cherry from Svalbard, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. Maximum terror. That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. You know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! How are you doing? Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, real quick for me and our listeners, how did you end up uh, in this band? Like, what was your... How did, I, don't, I don't know the story, so I would love to hear this if we could talk about that real quick, and then we'll talk about this amazing record. Um, so, uh, I've been playing guitar and doing vocals for many, many years. Before I was in this band, I had a bedroom black metal project, and I also played guitar in a prog metal band. Nice. And I also did uh, like a solo, a very indulgent solo project, uh, where I did a lot of like reverb drenched guitar leads all layered on top of each other. And how we formed the band was I was touring with this solo project, opening for another prog band, and our guitarist from Svalbard, Liam, was driving this band on their tour he jumps out of the van wearing a, a dying fetus shirt so obviously i started talking to him about dying fetus he watched my set that was the first night of that tour and uh, he said oh i really like what you're doing with my solo stuff i want to do something like that but but metal so i thought that sounded awesome and after that tour we um hung out and started writing riffs together so it started with liam and i just writing guitar riffs He'd come up with his rhythm parts and I'd write the leaves over the top. And uh, then we found Mark, our drummer, who was playing in like a death thrash band at the time. Nice. We poked him from another band. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have had exactly like 75 million different bass players. Um, But we finally, we found Matt a few years ago and it's going great. So hopefully he's the one. Awesome. Um... (laughs) So for this record, when did you guys start the writing process for uh, The Weight of the Mask? We started writing this album back in 2020. It's been a really long process. Uh, We put a lot of time into this album. We approached it really, we had like a really meticulous approach where a lot of ideas ended up on the cutting room floor because it's our first album on Nuclear Blast Records and we hold that record label in such high esteem that we wanted to create something really special and be the best it absolutely can be well you did uh this record's fantastic um and if it's cool I'll run through the album with you tell me a little bit about we'll go through each song and you just say a little bit about each one if that's cool um sure. so uh the first track faking it uh faking it i think is one of the heaviest songs we've ever written uh, and this song is about kind of feeling like you have to wear a mask when you're struggling with depression Um, It's interesting musically because it's got some of the prettiest guitar leads I've ever written. I think musically it's heavy but hopeful, but then lyrically it's very kind of inward looking and it captures that frustration of feeling the need to wear a mask of happiness, but that mask also kind of acting as a barrier uh, to prevent you from connecting with other people. Brilliant. Yeah, and very relatable. 
uh, for my co-host and I, so we can definitely understand that. Um, let's see, track two, Eternal Spirits. Eternal Spirits is uh, about the metal musicians that we've lost recently. Uh, it felt like we lost a load of really brilliant um, metal musicians way too soon. And in particular for me personally, Joey Jordison's passing really affected me. Okay. He was the reason I started playing an instrument. I actually started playing drums when I discovered Slipknot and then I moved to guitar. Oh, okay. When Joey moved to guitar and murdered us, so I just yeah. copied everything he did. Ah. <laughs> He's a huge, he was a huge influence on me. I was lucky enough to meet him and he always made so much time for his fans and was so encouraging to me as a musician. So I wanted to write a song after he passed away, just kind of about how his music lives on in like the inspiration that it's given me and probably so many other people. How many other people picked up an instrument because of the Slipknot self-titled album? There you, know, you it's go. It's crazy to think. Yeah, so that's... I just wanted to honor that. Really. Cool. Um, yeah, that I, you know, losing someone, um, and this is completely random, but for me, it also says my age too, but Neil from Rush dying, I still haven't really processed that. I'm a big, Rush is my favorite band. Um, I saw them. So my uncle was obsessed with them. I saw every tour from Permanent Waves all the way when I was like, five or six all the way till uh i guess the last tour i saw with my uncle was probably snakes and arrows no it would have been before that but we saw a shitload of stuff together and and it was one of those things where i don't think i've ever processed that it's like eddie van halen that's the other big one that i would bring up i know that's random and lemmy those three for some reason i'm just like oh yeah they're still and they're gone and i haven't really dealt with that i don't think so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it hits hard. It hits hard when you lose musicians who where their music has meant a lot to you, for sure. Well, I can see, and it's. I just thought that was, not that there's some kind of parallel there, but I just, you know, because Joey was a big influence for you, so it's, it's interesting how, you know, the cycle is with different musicians for different people and whatnot. It's, 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 um, it, it's very interesting to me, but um, sorry, I was rambling. Uh, track three, uh, Defiance. Defiance is about sort of uh, fighting against your demons with everything that you've got. It's about when, yeah, you're sort of struggling with depression and you can't get out of bed and you can't, you know, get to a day at work. You can't find any kind of energy to get to the gym or do anything. And then Defiance is about defying voice inside you that's making everything feel impossible and getting to the gym and getting like and just or even if it's a small thing like going out for a walk defiance is about defying those negative expectations you have of yourself right and it's kind of like almost like that song is like an internal cheerleader for me like <laughs> kind of that's that's um, cool yeah so that's what that song's about i think we all need an internal cheerleader i know i do um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's see, track four, November. Uh, November is kind of like the opposite of a Christmas song. So, you know, at Christmas time when everything feels like cozy and family orientated yes. and like it feels like everyone's coming together to have a great time. And yes. if you don't have that, if you don't have a 
particularly healthy family dynamic or um, a loving relationship or anything, Christmas can feel super lonely and make you feel really even more isolated. So I wanted to write a song about kind of going through that time period on your own um, so that it's like an anti-Christmas song, basically. I can completely relate to that. I have to tell my therapist whoever that may be, because I go through a bunch of them, they, they switch because they're state appointed, but not, not to get into that, but I mean, seriously, that's very relatable to me because I do everything I can to avoid holiday anything. Cause it's, yeah. it's seeing other people wrapped up in joy while I'm the complete opposite of the, yeah. So yeah, I can relate to that 100% and it's a great track and that's incredibly relatable. Um, let's see, uh, track five lots out. Uh, Lights Out is kind of about, again, the sort of, so if it's like the opposite of defiance. This one's about kind of feeling like depression has fully eclipsed who you are and kind of completely taken over and you, your yourself has been erased by mental illness. And this is just a song, it's kind of a very stark song about the reality of suffering with depression and the reality of that never going away and it just sometimes being hit with a massive wave of it and completely losing yourself and your light. And there's a thing like you can, I always hate having my photo taken when I'm, I mean, I hate that at the best of times, but like when I'm struggling with depression, because you can see it in my eyes that the lights are out and that's what that song is about. Oh, wow. Um, such a personal seems like every touch to every track, it's it's really neat that it's, you know, got something very, very personal behind it. Um, let's see, track six, How to Swim Down. <laughs> this is uh, not just my favorite song on the Salvador album. Uh, it's my favorite song we've ever written. Okay. Um, so, oh, sorry, there was a bit of lag on the audio there. Oh, I didn't say uh, anything. Are we good? Oh, no, it's... I can hear myself. Like, oh, oh okay. God, it's echoing. Yeah, it does that. It's the fine folks at Zoom there. Thank you so much. <laughs> it seems okay now. Yeah, How to Swim Down is a song about unrequited love, but I used the analogy of playing as a healer in World of Warcraft to like describe what it's like to love someone silently from afar and not be able to tell them. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a love song, but a sad love song about feelings that will forever remain buried and a secret, and it's wrapped up in symbolism of World of Warcraft. So it's a bit of, you know, how many other metal songs are, I mean, don't ask this to Boltflower, but how many other songs are about, well, no, they're Warhammer, aren't they? Ignore me. Uh, how many other metal songs are about World of Warcraft? I don't know, but uh, that is what that song's about. Now, do you play WoW? Yeah. Okay. I play Diablo. I don't know if that counts, but... Oh, are you on Diablo 4? Yes, and I'm not good at it at all, so... Which act are you in? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of pushing myself, because I have a lot of people that play it, and I don't play it with anybody. I just play it by myself, but I'm not really good at dungeon crawlers or, or, or whatnot. So um, I, I, I prefer to live in Skyrim, which I've been living in for about 10-plus ah. years. So, uh, but Yeah, Skyrim is the greatest game ever made, so of it's, course. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I'm pretty bummed about the... 
I, I'm, I've been reading that I guess all of future stuff from the studio they're going to be putting only on Xbox and PC, and I'm like, God damn it. Because I'm, I'm a PlayStation guy, so... Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is the issue. Obviously, they've got Starfield releasing in, in a week or so. Sure. Uh, Skyrim in space, and it's only on Xbox and PC, unfortunately, which, uh, yeah, thanks to Microsoft or Bethesda, didn't they? So... Yeah. I'm hoping Sony does something like makes Grand Theft Auto exclusive, even though I don't play Grand Theft Auto. But I think I want them to give them a little knife stab back for doing that. But Or maybe make Call of Duty only for PlayStation. Just And again, I don't play Call of Duty, but I think it would be funny just to be like, well, we've got this. So, you know, it's yeah, petty, exactly. but it's, it's the little nerd things that make me happy in the, at the end of the day. Um, anyway, uh, that's very cool. Um uh, let's see, track seven, uh, Be My Tomb, which is a great title, and I have no idea what it's about. This very oh, cool. Thank you. So, Be My Tomb is actually inspired by the Gary Moore song, Empty Rooms. Okay. So, the lyric in Gary Moore's song is, Empty Rooms Where We Learn to Live Without Love. And that lyric always hit me really hard because I live alone, I live <laughs> just rattle around in a house by myself, and it gets like super lonely. Um, so, I was kind of writing about about that feeling of, of loneliness, especially when you work from home by yourself. It gets very intense at times. Sure. And the, the song, like the title, "Be My Tomb," is kind of that that voice in the back of your head late at night when it's just you and two in the morning, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to die alone." Oh and yeah, it's like. <laughs> Please don't let this be my tomb. Is what I'm referring to there, like being stuck on my own in this house. Very awesome. Again, very relatable. Uh, I can totally understand that as well. Um, and again, I, I love just how every song has got just your own personal touch to it. It's very, very cool. Um, uh, it's like looking inside, you know, like looking through the... It, to see a little bit more about you and, and, and with your music. It's very cool. Uh, let's see, uh, track eight. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see, track eight, Pillar in the Sand. Pillar in the Sand is about having a place that you go to that always feels like home or having like an event. It could be something like a metal festival that you go to every year. For me, the song is about, so I'm a roller coaster enthusiast as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> and there is an, an amusement park very close to my home that I go to. And I go to their Halloween event every year and it's my pillar in the sand. It is the thing that stays the same and feels the same. Sure. No matter how much of my life changes, I've been going to this event for 20 years. Really? Um, so I just, yeah, I uh, just wanted to commemorate that uh, event, really, and that place and how special it is to me and how grateful I am to have something in my life that still evokes the same feeling after 20 years. My co-host and I have been going to Disney since 2021. Because, you know, the COVID thing where it was gonna, everything's going to end. And so he comes down here to Florida and we go to Disney World every year. We're about to go next month. We always go. But we, we've, tr we've tried to deviate from Magic Kingdom, but we always end up going back to Magic Kingdom because we just like it. But yeah, so that's relatable to me too. It's, it's the theme park you go to. Are you, are you at liberty to say which one? Oh yeah, it's it's Thought Park in the UK, but it's interesting you you bring it up because I I have travelled to hundreds of theme parks, and uh, next week I'm actually flying to the states. Going to do Hershey Park, Six Flags Great Adventure, Nickelodeon Universe, Universal's Halloween Horror Nights in Florida, 
SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, Tampa. I'm not going to Disney World though because I can't. Aff- it's so expensive. I can't afford it's... to do that as well. <laughs> now, you, you are you going to Universal? Yeah. See. My co-host wants to go. I'm not a big... I don't dislike it, but I, I didn't grow up with Harry Potter. So, to me, like, I'm like, I don't... I don't know if I could, you know, if I would enjoy Universal. But Disney, I will just tell you this. Uh, Magic Kingdom is the most... I have never been treated with more respect, dignity, or anything in my life than going to that park. Like, their employees are unbelievably nice. Um, and Hollywood Studios, unless you're really into Star Wars, is not worth going to. So, there's nothing really there. If you like Star Wars, then you'll like it. I, I, and I don't dislike it, but I'm not like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm more of a Star Trek guy. But, so it was just kind of like, eh. But Magic Kingdom, wow. I I think it's great. It's like living in your childhood, but... Um, it, it's a lot of fun. I went to, to Disney World last year, and uh, Hollywood Studios was the only one I liked. Really? See, for me, it was just there. There wasn't enough. If it had been like the first three films, where I could maybe something that I grew up with, but it was all like the J.J. Abrams stuff, and I was just like, eh. like I thought it was okay. I liked the Millennium Falcon thing. I thought that was cool. But we didn't get to do Rise of the Resistance because this was back in 21. And the queue filled up so fast that we couldn't do the... We didn't get to ride the damn thing. And my co-host was not thrilled because he loved Star Wars. And I was just like, uh, I mean, it just sucks because, you know, but... But it was still due to COVID restrictions, so there weren't like the meet and greet. We didn't get to meet R2-D2. We didn't get to meet Chewbacca and stuff. So it was just kind of like... It was like kind of going through half the park because not everything was functioning and then the actors weren't walking around but we did my co-host was kind enough we we went and did the build a droid thing so that was fun yeah yeah so that was cool yeah it was fun anyway i'm rambling again uh let's see here the final track to wilt beneath the weight uh, so this song is about how depression affects your relationship with other people and how, you know, certain uh, traits of struggling with depression can be misinterpreted um, in the wrong way. Uh, so that's kind of, again, it's about, if you, the album title is the weight, of, the weight of the Mask and to work beneath the weight is kind of feeling so obligated to keep lifting this mask and to keep pretending because it's the only way you know how to maintain these relationships right. with the people around you. Right. Um, so that's what that song's about. That song has my favorite lyric of the album in, which is, uh, grit your teeth when they've just been broken. Oh, okay. Now that's, that's a fun way to finish up the record too. Um, so... This cover art, uh, can you tell us about that for The Weight of the Mask? Uh, the art was done by um, an illustrator called Hester Askland. She is a fantastic illustrator. She's created t-shirt designs for us in the past. And as soon as we got the opportunity to to have her make an album cover for us, we leapt at the chance. And what's amazing is... I sent her the songs and I just told her what the album was about, kind of a rough idea of what I had in mind for the album cover. And she drew the cover you see today straight off the bat. She didn't need any feedbacks or tweaks or anything. She just nailed it straight away, which is fantastic. 
yeah, she did a great job. This is incredible. Um, and then as far as the production for the weight of the mask, did you guys self-produce? Did you bring in a mixer and a producer and a master and all that fun stuff, or how did that go? Uh, we worked with Lewis Johns, the producer. He's uh, the producer we've worked with for every single album. So this was our fourth album with him. We always go to his studio, The Ranch, in the UK. We have a great working relationship with him. It's super comfortable because, um, yeah, we've worked together for so long. And I believe it was Brad Boatwright that did the mastering, but don't, don't quote me on that because oh. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's... We always use Lewis, and it's and he really helps bring out the the best in like my vocals and my guitar and, and everyone's performances. He's very encouraging. Excellent, excellent. Um, and then you guys have some shows coming up. Um, do you have yes, those handy so where you can run those off for us, or? Oh my God! Let me see if I can open the image on my phone whilst <laughs> doing the interview. Uh, where's it even going to be? I love that we have fans in Europe. I think it's awesome. I, I wish I could just globalize on Europe for what we, my Corey and I do, my co-host. I, I just feel like talking to people from abroad. It just seems to be a lot smoother. Uh, I don't mean guests. I don't mean musicians, but I mean listeners. It seems like they're more yeah. appreciative of what we've done for seven years. Um, so. Interesting. Yeah, I love I love trying to you know keep tapping that market because uh, you know just to get more listeners from over there. But yeah, if you've got those dates, I would love to. We can talk about your tour. Sure. I mean, yeah. So we're doing some shows in October. We're playing Soul Crusher Festival in the Netherlands. Nice. Uh, then we're we're playing Cologne, Berlin, Dresden, and Neukirchen. So four German dates because uh, we always have a great time in Germany. Very amazing crowds over there awesome and we have a show in paris on the 19th of october awesome and 20th of october we're playing beyond the redshift which is like a day festival curated by cult of luna that's in london cool and that's split across three different venues and then final the final day on the tour is the 21st of october in leeds in the uk so not the longest tour in the world but um definitely keep us going once the album's out that's incredible. Have you all played Hellfest before? Yeah, we played Hellfest this year. How was that? It was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> it seems like they always, not to knock any other promotions out there, but they really seem like they've got a good variety of bands. Oh, it's incredible. So when we played, we stayed for the whole weekend because so many of our favorite bands were playing. And we all have diverse, we all have different tastes sure. in the band. There really was, there was something for everyone. The way they treat the artists is fantastic. The way they treat the guests is brilliant. Like, there was just so much that they'd really thought about in terms of everyone being hydrated, everyone being able to see this every stage. It's it's really, I cannot recommend Hellfest enough. It's the best. We've played a lot of festivals. I've been to a lot of festivals as a metal fan, and Hellfest is easily the best one I've been to. <laughs> I've never got to go to the one that I always wanted to go to, Rock Hard. Does that sound right? Yeah. Just because they get like these real obscure like AOR like metal or more like rock things that I like like 
old hair bands that would never play in the states if they you know like that I grew up listening to just just such a variety and that's that's what I thought was cool but Hellfest looks like it's just a 100% package you get it all and then of course it's in France I believe and then so it's cool yeah it's awesome very very cool well that's awesome uh, hopefully people go out and see you guys uh, it would be very cool um, so you love theme parks so where is your favorite theme park that you've been to Bes besides the 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 uh, um, besides uh, pillar in the sand not not that park but um, Efteling in the Netherlands okay it's one of the oldest theme parks in the world it's one of the parks that inspired Walt Disney to build Disneyland really uh, it has a Yes, it's amazing. It has a fairy tale forest full of dioramas. It has rides that really tell a story. A lot of it's all themed to like Brothers Grimm fairy tales. And it has such a unique vibe. It is truly magical. Like everyone I tell about this place, they go there and then they come back and they say, well, that's better than Disney. Like it's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. When you were at Hollywood Studios, did you go in the little Walt Disney thing where they have the miniatures? where they build everything and all that yeah yeah so i was hung over and i blacked out in that theater no i wasn't drinking at disney but we had drank the night before we went there and i fell asleep like blacked out completely beside my co-host and just just napped in the ac because we were there on july 4th and 21 and it was just a nice little break and i thought that was really cool get to look at all that stuff and then just oh walt disney's here i can rest now for a little you know so but um and, and side side note, we did not ride the the Twilight Zone thing because I don't like things that violently drop. So I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan, but I could not ride that. Rod Sterling was like, "You will not ride this," and I didn't. So oh, that's my favorite ride in Hollywood. <laughs> I'll tell you something really morbid to do if you're into stuff like this. Uh, you can look up all the deaths at Disney. And this is not a joke. It's like their Wikipedia thing. I don't know how authorized it is, but um, and I love Disney. But what would you guess is the number one death at Disney over the last like twenty years? Heart attack. Suicide. No way. Wife or husband show up, you know, to meet with the kids, and then one of them jumps off of a property, uh, like a like a hotel. Or drowns themselves in a lagoon. I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. And why I look this stuff, I have no idea because I don't get any kind of joy out of it. It just terrifies me and makes me going to Disney even scarier. But it's like, but that's not a joke. Like, if you look that people listening, if you look that up, the number one death at Disney over the past like twenty five years is suicide, which is just yeah, it's very morbid. It's like oh, this place is magical. I want to. I don't know. It's just it terrifies me. And then of course all the the ride incidents, which are terrifying to. Look at. I've never been to Animal Kingdom, but there was a man that got cut caught on some type of a jeep thing, and it drug him till he died. Like, there's all kinds of just horrific stuff that people have uploaded, and I'm like, because I have PTSD, and it's like, I don't know if I want to go to that park. <laughs> but just a fun, weird thing to close up the interview there. Just, just wonderful, positive thing there for for you. Um, uh, kids, pick up the weight of the mask. From I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna mess it up. Svalbard. Did I kind of get it? Svalbard. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Uh, this record's incredible. Um, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. 
Um, I wish you all the best with your tour and with this record. Uh, kids, it comes out October 6th, Nuclear Blast Records. And uh, Serena, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed it. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. <laughs>